You got a guy named Manny and a dude named June Talking to a cool woman about the things that they do Sitting around the table and they're drinking some beers Sharing all the stories right in your ear So listen to Just the Gals Just the Gals by Minnie and June Hey everyone! Hello! Welcome to Just the Gals Podcast with your hosts Manny Ron and June Chung And June Chung, you're listening to K101.3 Just the Gals <laughs> <laughs> if this is your first time listening to the show, we're two goofy ass dudes trying to learn about the world. And I'm what better goofy. way to do that than listening to a lady talk about her world? Exactly. And today, what lady are we talking to? Glennis Oh, hi. Hi, Glennis. There she is. Hello. Glennis came to New York via Germany, via the UK, via Texas. Kind of. Texas in And there. not necessarily in that order. That's exactly. Right. She lives by her own rules. Yes. And we learned that today. Glennis is a performer in New York. She's stand-up, sketch, comic, uh, 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 character actor. She does it all. She's a funny performer. She's a funny stand-up. She's just a renaissance woman. And she grew up in the UK for a while. So we get into that. We get into her performing and uh, body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. Mm. A little. <laughs> <laughs> a healthy dose of BDD. Mm-mm. We hit all the points, though. Like, you know, it's, it's just chock full of uh, information this episode. We got another Lady Truce at the end there. Please listen in for that. And if you have any comments, please email us at justthegalspodcast at gmail.com. June will check it and then he'll tell me that he doesn't like what people wrote to him. I'll tell him I'll, and then tell you I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is Glennis. She was blessed. I don't know if you guys do an intro or... Uh, we talk to the guests first, and then the intro comes later. What? Yeah. That's yeah. controversial. Yeah. No, I like we don't that. Know, we don't know what you're going to talk about. I know. So and then we, we tee up the whole episode first. And also, like, we were doing a thing where we were doing our intro. We were introduce a person. Yeah. We would find ourselves already seven minutes into the podcast when okay. we do that. And I oh, feel I like see. it kind of makes the person feel a little bit like, oh, I mean... Uh, oh, yeah. No. I, I'm at ease. <laughs> as a performer, <laughs> you know what's yeah, up. You know what's up. Yeah. But a lot of our guests are not performers. Gotcha. So they can't stay still with the silence of us goofing off. Oh. <laughs> These two goofy guys. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> do I be goofy, I guess? Got to be goofy. And then it's like, um, oh, hi. Oh, <laughs> so, so you've been here the whole time. How yeah. do you feel? <laughs> oh, I feel alienated. You feel upset. Although I bet with performers, they appreciate some structure more so than a regular person. Because they could, they could just talk freely Maybe. and like be easy. But as a performer, I feel like you can go. You'd be like, give me my intro and we're going. Yeah. And then there's going to be an intermission. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. You like know the deal. We're going to take a break. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we take multiple breaks during this podcast. Really? Yeah. We take like four Do or five. For, for our knuckles. sponsors? Yeah, yeah, for the sponsors yeah. of uh, 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 Juice Press. <laughs> <laughs> improv. No no wrong answer, right? There is no wrong the answer. The store is called Juice Press. I thought that's what you were going to do. I mean, I think there should be more like eyeing in like uh, marketing. Oh. No, just like in market. It's like it's more real. 
nobody talks that polished. I've been in a like voiceover booth before for this, like just for like a class, but we were doing promo stuff and I was like, God, I'm running out of breath because I feel like you have to be like, and like, it's just like not natural. Cause you're doing the side effects part of the promo. Yeah. You have to read it really fast. I'm just trying to be relatable. And then I run out of breath and pass out in a booth that's like airtight, like suffocating in here. Also, I feel like those airs are just like they don't. Yeah, you're right. They don't. They're not human. So I feel like it's not natural. Like if you stop, if you become aware of it, and then you're like watching like promotions on TV, or like if someone was talking to me like this, you'd just be like, "What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. Why are you talking so fast about mattresses? Mm. How do you know so much about mattresses? But it's one of those things where because I work and watch all this stuff, and if if you don't do it bigger than what you think is normal. It doesn't come off it's good flat. on video. Yeah. It's flat. Well, yeah. on video, but as far as like audio, I think the same principle. Really? Yeah, I think yeah. the similar principle. If you're just going, see, we're like on, right? We're we're on podcast mode. Like we gotta engage the audience. We, this blah, is, this blah, blah, is blah. how I am all the time. But if you're reading copy and saying we're on, no, I know. this is us podcasting. Yeah. That's what happens when you read the script i know you gotta be like that's like the sims voice i can't i can't i'm not like improvising any promo copy right now but it's like fred flintstone everybody yeah yabba-dabba-doo what you're trying to say is that he expects the best of everyone at every single moment i mean this is true i mean if you're not striving for the best it makes me i feel bad for my kids that's, that's all I gotta say. You should, oh you, man! You should tell Glenn if you want. If you want like a a a door into what the person June is, uh-huh. you'll know everything about him. Uh-huh. Just ask him what. Just ask him the beans story. All right, the, the bean. camping one. Yeah, I need the beans story. The beans story. This is okay. So Manny and I have been friends about five, six years, and mm-hmm. he quickly brought me into the circle of friends. And this camping trip was probably the second or third year. Of knowing everyone was it? Yeah, it was pretty early on. Okay, it was def- all right. At least the second year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for it's a camping trip that has since become annual. Okay. And we were all divvying up our responsibilities, like bring this, bring this, bring that, bring this. And I was like, "Ooh, beans!" Because camping, you got to bring the beans to make some chili. He sent us all a list that we should uh, pr- uh, follow. I, I was the guy that sent a huge email with color coded and here is like what you need to look at. Like your camp trip responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. And my friends aren't all like nincompoops. Like they're pretty like well adjusted. I'm probably the most slackerish of, out of everybody. But I think I made it as clear as possible as far as here is Manny's. Like you don't even have to read the email. Just look at your section. Totally. Of the email. Yeah. Okay. We're all shopping. We do everything. Now we get to the campsite. We're all unloading, unpacking. And then I, and then I'm just like, where's my, the... My friend Rob didn't bring the beans. Yeah, Rob was supposed to bring the beans. Rob. I'm like, yo, Rob, where's the beans? And he's like, oh, man, there's beans right on the cabin, and I totally forgot to bring it. And then I pull out two two kids. <laughs> no, I'm freaking out, you by gave the way. It, you gave it to him for two minutes. Yeah, I, I, like, I was like... He was like, but I made a... I made a list. I made, I gave you the email. I did, did a whole email. I told email? you. I told you. It wasn't that hard. You could have just got on the beans. <sighs> I don't well, I got two cans of beans. <laughs> you had <laughs> contingency beans. Exactly. You had backup beans. I had backup beans, and I made Rob feel so bad, even though I know I had two beans. Why did I do no, that? No, I've done that. Why? I've done that where I'm like, 
you know, it's it's not a big deal because I couldn't have made it anyway, but I would have liked to have been invited. Like where you just like make someone feel really bad. I mean, it's not a nice thing to do, but it happens. And now, yeah. And then, and then our whole thing is like, where's the beans, Rob? Where's the beans, Rob? And also for me, there's like a meltdown over beans. I have a question. What kind of beans? Like baked beans or like? Yeah, baked beans. So we didn't have to really cook them. Okay. So we just had to warm them up. But like with a sauce, like? I think there were, yeah, yeah, there were sauce. Oh, you should see how important they were? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, is it like the stuff that's just like in water? No, no, no. It was, it was like, like juicy. In, like in a beans. sauce, yeah. yeah. Like Bush's beans. Yeah, uh, Bush's. Bush, that's why exactly. I was going to ask is because Bush's is my family. Bush's beans. Wait, what? what do you mean yeah. it's your family? My mom, my biological mother is a Bush and it's not the political Bush family. It's right. the Bean Bush B-U-S-C-H, family. For real. <laughs> For real. I'm like very like distantly related, but it's like cousins. What? Yeah. If your mother's side listens to this and sends me a lifetime supply of beans. Oh. <laughs> I will not be angry. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Bush sponsor for just the gals. <laughs> like, I might be able to hook it up. Nothing says women like beans. Have you, have you oh, met? Well, oh, my God. I didn't even realize what I just said. <laughs> women have beans in abundance. Have you ever met them? Um, No, not really. I don't think so. Maybe as a little kid wow. at like a reunion, but not realizing that I am a bean heir. <laughs> this is nuts. No, she, I'm not a bean heir. I'd probably be like 25th in line. But yeah. For is real. It, I mean, that they had to be like, like kind of loaded, right? I don't know. I, I mean, mean, it's like. They're uh, America's beans. So. Yeah. They are America's beans yeah. in the commercials with like the dog. Yes. Only the dog. The he He's the only one who knows the secret. <laughs> Maybe I know the secret. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know the secret. They're like, you're too far away. (laughs) How soon do you know that you're in a bean empire? How soon? Once once you're born, like you meet your cousins. Here's your cousin. Robbie? Yeah. Or Robbie Bush. uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's some Bush. I don't even know which Bush it is. Sam Bush? Who, Who told you this? Like family on my mom's side, but my mom was an only child, and then, but her mother was one of five, so there's a ton of cousins that are also like only children, mm. but there's like just some arm of the family that created a bean empire. Wow, and they're great beans, they are great beans, they're, they're really gra- good, they're really. <laughs> freaking good and so sometimes my grandmother used to send us when we lived in england would send us bush beans but i don't think it was even like a free supply she would just like buy it and be like <laughs> buy it and be like this is your family support your family yeah. while you're in the uk exactly you think if you reached out you could get some free beans like you probably yeah Probably. So whenever you were in school and there was a canned food drive, you were the person to bring everything. No, we would eat them. (laughs) (laughs) Or would we give them away? Because it's for charity? Oh, I guess Bush doesn't give to charity. (laughs) I'm sure they do. (laughs) This is slanderous. Yeah. But yeah, that's my like big uh, hookup. Gosh. (laughs) Claim to fame. If nepotism happens, you're going to become the Bush spokeswoman i mean i'd know? like like if they're doing a commercial let's do a, let's cut a promo right now we're cutting a promo uh-oh <clears throat> okay do we have our um, promo cadence beans beans are good for your heart the more you eat the more you make art 
Here, here. Oh, you want me to yeah, yeah. T- tether on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. That's, that's the promo there. In improv, we call that <clears throat> pimping. I did pimp it. <laughs> I'm in the booth. Okay, uh, Glennis, uh, could I have that in, um, like, the voice of uh, Cher? That's pimping. Yeah, that's pimping. <laughs> it's like, bange, bange. I can't do a share. I'm not going to do it. It's like, do you believe in beans after love? <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Another connection, share is Armenian. My step family is Armenian. We're not related, but oh I just gosh. wanted oh. to throw in the a share connection. Yeah. Share and beans. I think I'm related to Billy Bob Thornton, though. Wait. What the heck is going on? What? I know. But it's all just like South Country where everyone's kind of a little related distantly. Where where did you grow up? So I am not really from anywhere. I was born in Germany to American parents. Then we moved to New York. Uh, then we moved to Texas for six months. Then we moved to Germany. How many years apart are these? Uh, okay. So by the time I get to Germany for the second time, I'm only seven. Oh, wow. So three years in Germany, three years in New York, six months in Texas, a year in Germany, then 13 years in England, and then I've been in New York for five years. Holy smokes. That's a, that's a lot. Nomadic. engineers or something? Uh, no, my dad is in business consulting, advertising. Hmm. Arms dealing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> International man of mystery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we were just like kind of nomadic. Wow. Yeah. You were down for it or w- did you hate it? I mean, I had no choice and it's like the life that I knew. But in retrospect, I'm like, wow, that was like a big thing to put on a family to be like, I don't have a hometown. I don't have like, I have a few friends that we met when we were in New York when we were like, when I was like three to six that are still friends now. And like now that we're back here, we see. But, like, I don't have, like, a ton of day ones, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, how could you with all that freaking moving? Yeah. It's nuts. It's crazy. And, like, we were so far away from our family while we were in England. And, like, flying a family of four to the States is, like, really expensive <laughs> from England, which is already, like, a super expensive Did you enjoy place. England at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, like, went to an American school at first, which was, like, surprisingly rough. Like just because I didn't feel like I fit in and like it was all expats and like your friends would come and go like constantly. Cause because their parents would move Exactly. Away. They like all had that same lifestyle. So it would be like, oh, like I like you. And then six months later, they're living in Indonesia or whatever. And you're like, okay, well, see you never again. Wow. It's like kind of hard. Um, and then I went to a British school from about eighth grade to senior year. And I like that. And I still like talk and hang out with those people if they visit or vice versa. And then I went to British University. British University. Yes. For, for, for your 18 and up years. For my 18 and up, for my adult years. Wow. Pretty cool school in London. Coldplay met there. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Nolan went there. Any relation? No relation. <laughs> Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gandhi, ever heard of him? <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you adopt any of the accents? The, the At the time, yeah. But I realized, like, in hindsight, it was definitely just, like, a coping 
like adapting mechanism because I didn't want the fact that I was American to be the focal point of every conversation or like the way that I pronounce something or using the word sidewalk instead of pavement. Like they just like rip <laughs> yeah. you apart and you're like, all right, I'm so sorry. I'm not from here. <laughs> so I like had to adapt. Um, when you get angry, do you become British? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like Hulk out and just become fancy. <laughs> um, no, but that would be cool. Cause I get, I get more Staten Island when I get angry. Really? The accent comes out stronger. I think I get more New York when I get angry, especially here. Like, I'm like riding a bike and then someone stands in the bike line and I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> like I turn into a, like a New York man <laughs> with rage. I don't notice that about you. You don't see me angry. Oh, I see angry quite a bit. <laughs> Mine's a, a silent type with you. <laughs> Wait, is this helping you understand the world? What, you uh, are living My in travels? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, w I was in uh, London not too long ago. Oh, yeah? And I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very fancy. Yes, like, it is very fancy. Just like London especially, you're like walking around, you're like, oh, it's exactly like what you think it's like. There's some like trendier areas that are like, I'd say, like more artsy. What do you like uh, about the UK that you would want to bring over to the US? Ooh, that's a good question. There are some like shops that I like there that aren't here. Like I like the style that's like more on a like affordable level. They have a good like shopping scene. Mm -hmm. um, also, you just like, I mean, maybe this doesn't really apply to New York, but like in general, you walk a lot more places than like America at large. Um, yeah i mean like i prefer the weather here i the cost of living here is lower than in london yeah oh yeah it's Much very they expensive all have gold there <laughs> <laughs> well the pound and is jewels. just like yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah the pound is just so oh, right 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 but unreal aren't you making money to make the living expenses ish oh I saw, an air, I saw a sign in the window that was like 19 pounds an hour for an ice cream salesman. That's no pretty way. good. That's decent. That's yeah. that's a lot. That is a lot. But when it's like, I don't know, like 1,500 pounds a month for an apartment, like right. a studio, then it's like, it's not a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like you shouldn't be living in a 1,500 pound apartment if you're I, It's an close ice to my job. And maybe I want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The public transport's pretty expensive, too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the. How much is the tube? It costs. I mean, you know they have that. a variable, so they have zones. It's uh, not like a flat rate wherever you go. It's like, oh well, if you, like, even the suburbs are in the zones. So, like, if you're within central London, there's zone one, zone two, and then that'll be like reflective of if you're traveling within zones or all the way to zone six would be like suburbs. Um. So it varies. I by accident went to Zone Six. <laughs> when I meant to go. What to were zone you doing two. in Zone Six? I was. I I wasn't trying to get to Zone Six. I got on the wrong train, <laughs> and I was going. And that thing goes really fast. Oh, like an express train type scenario. I I, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I used just, to live in Zone Six. I just did you really? Yeah. Hampton really? Court Palace. 
Hampton Court Palace. Hampton Court Palace. <laughs> uh, that was where Henry VIII this is lived. The Leroux residence. A lot of name dropping going on over here. Uh, well, <laughs> I feel like people up. know. <laughs> oh, come on. People know Henry VIII because he killed all his wives. Son of, he son like of beheaded his wife. I guess if he was my uncle, I'd say it too. <laughs> 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 no, he just lived there. Uh, no, Henry's actually the one behind the bean business. <laughs> 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 Apparently, he like when they put him, he was so like ginormous and had such a decadent, disgusting diet that when they put him in a, a casket, <laughs> <laughs> he like it was like putrid, and I think he like blew it open oh my god yeah and he's, like he's, he's just filled up. with gas yeah oh my god and it like blew the door off of it <laughs> is that <laughs> what it is the door is that a door Henry to a the casket the casket uh roof just with the roof yeah the way. roof <laughs> flew off oh that was gosh. his last hurrah exploding henry the eighth gross i bet it stunk <laughs> something <laughs> foul if it weren't for him divorce wouldn't be a thing that's prevalent. Oh, yeah. Is that true? Yeah, he was like, I got He's a bunch like, of wives. <laughs> this, I need uh, a loophole because yeah. <laughs> I got to get out of this. As a Catholic, you weren't supposed to get divorced yeah. or it's very not well looked upon. And then he found a loophole through it. I forgot what it was. The Church of England. Oh, he made his own church. That's right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something King, like King that. James Bile? All him. I think. Archbishop of Canterbury. Yeah. Something like that is relevant. Archbishop of Canterbury. Archbishop of Canterbury. Can you go in and out of the accent? I can. That's great. She and like do some regional her. stuff. No, I'm not going to make her. But do you guys care about soccer, football? Football? Um, sometimes. Like, Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> we love the Mannies. <laughs> Steven Gerrard. <laughs> That's the only thing that I can like. <laughs> that helps me drop into that accent. It's I don't like, think I've heard. Stephen Gerrard's a top lad. Do you have a, br- a a character from the UK? I do. I have a couple. I think uh, I did like a posh little girl, that was like, "Mummy, mummy, Miss Clarice said that I was the very best in ballet <laughs> class today." <laughs> and then she realized that her nanny is picking her up, and then she's like horrible. Brat. <laughs> um, and then I had. Um, an Essex woman who is a vajazzler. Did we, did vajazzle come over here? Was that like a thing? Do you know uh, what it is? I mean, isn't that to, to primp up the vaginal <laughs> yeah, area? It's like a diamante, like those little sticky gems yes. where you would make like a design. They had the one like that went to uh, only jeans, only jeans though. Well, the, no, but I'm pretty sure vajazzle is a thing here. Like, like, like this glitter that you could. Rhinestones that you could stick on? Yeah. Oh, I didn't, yeah. I, I and you could get it done like professionally and get all these designs or like, I don't understand <laughs> why you would. It's like, a, it's like a belly piercing, but for your But it's not area. permanent. Like it's like, it would start to like peel off or and look tattoo. awful. <laughs> like a henna tattoo. Yeah. You could like write a message <laughs> or make a, make a scene, like a scenery, like a desert island. With a palm tree. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want diamond pubic hair? Yeah, but I think you have to be free of pubic hair for it to work. Right. So now you look down and you're like, ooh. Yeah, catching the light. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And how much did that cost? Ooh, I don't know. No idea. But it, So there was this show called The Only Way is Essex. Okay. And everyone was, it was kind of like Jersey Shore of England. Where, like, very analogous kind of personalities. 
like orange spray tan, <laughs> like crazy, like. Oh, I think I heard Chris Pratt doing an impression of this on Graham Norton's show. It was very good. Oh, no. It's like, um, yeah, it's like, shut up. <laughs> like, so she's like, I want to, oh, no, it didn't drop into it there. Like, I want to bring the vajazzle to the United States of America. <laughs> like, they have like dead eyes and they're like, shut up. <laughs> they, there was like a whole series of episodes about glamping oh. where they would go camping, but it was like luxury. RVs, no bugs. Exactly. And like high heels in the forest. And no beans. No beans. No beans. <laughs> no beans. British people love beans, but yeah. it's Heinz baked beans. English, right. English proper. Yeah. And like if you tried a bush baked bean out there, they'd be like, these are not beans. Yeah, you're right. They're, They're very distinctive. Yeah, very distinctive. It's like iconic. They're crazy about mustard and uh, mayonnaise. <laughs> really? Mayo uh, for everywhere, sure. Everywhere I went, there was just like... There yes, there was a mayonnaise. It's like a fancy mayonnaise. They they're not that about like French's, Heinz ketchup. Oh, mustard. But the mustard is like, like a Dijon. They love their gray poupon. Yeah, everything is completely, completely different because it's got no preservatives. Which one? Probably like EU rules. I feel like everything oh, tastes yeah. a little bit different out there. Like, I, the, like the ketchup was a little bit darker. It's supposed to be better. Because, yeah, it's supposed to be real tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and no high fructose corn syrup. Which is amazing. <laughs> Wait, like you're, you love it or you're glad that they don't use I'm glad it? that they don't use yeah. high fructose corn syrup. He wishes he had that. It'd be great if everyone started changing their palate so that they don't recognize or that they don't crave the syrup. Because yeah. that's effing us up as a country. I have a wicked sweet tooth. But not for high fructose corn syrup. I so. feel like you'd be a great Veruca... Um, Veruca Salt yeah. from Willy Wonka. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Thank <yeah>. you. <laughs> Thank you. Daddy, I want that. <laughs> or, or Daddy, the... I want a blueberry one. <laughs> I want it now. Yeah, I love throwing a tantrum in character. Just because I think being a spoiled brat is awful, but so fun to play. Yeah. I don't know. Because I, I hate it. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to like skewer these awful people. I like playing awful people because I, I don't know. I just like, I think they're the, they're just the best to play <laughs> because you're like, clearly I don't believe this or act like this or admire this. So like, I would love to just take like a little thing about someone that I'm like, yuck. And then like <laughs> blow it out. Yeah. And, you, and you don't get usually get to do that because we don't whatever fathom making like being so spoiled. So it's kind of yeah. fun being that horrible oh, person. As, as regular people. Yeah. And yeah just yeah. trying it out and see like, I wonder if this would ever work. Oh, just when you see someone being so entitled and you're like, do you hear yourself right now? Do you see yourself? Is the UK a lot of like nose up kind of? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, there is a little snobbery, I'd say. And like, but it's more like everyone's just kind of aloof. And like, the, I feel like there's, in America, there's way more of a like, yeah man you're doing your thing like go for it like express fully but like there's just generally a cultural reserve i'd say right so like i knew i wanted to do comedy but i was like trepidatious about doing it in england because i felt like i don't know like maybe maybe it was just like the crowd i was in or maybe it was just invented in my head because that is something that I would do. But um, I just felt like, oh, I feel like 
it maybe would be questioned more or like I would have to be an American comic and that would be my thing out there. I don't know. Oh yeah, that is that is kind of weird to think about. Right? Instead of being like just me and what I want to talk about, I'd be an outsider. And you're only 17 to 21 even then, right? In college? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's <laughs> to, to for people to put that on you for such a young performer would be so much. Yeah. And like, yeah, my, I wasn't British enough sounding to mm. be convincing. So <laughs> that would be really funny if like it's like it's a British comic, Glennis LaRoe. <laughs> just come out there just talking like it's like she's not. Oh, I've thought about like coming on cold on stage and doing like a thick Scottish accent and then breaking out of it and be like, I can't keep this up because I'm like, you got to hit your like skills in your act and I want to like do more of the voice stuff but I don't know how to work it in organically but you watch like like Eddie Murphy or Dana Carvey and their stuff is like characters character in stand-up I want to figure that out one time I saw Jeffrey Joseph do an accent and I had never seen him perform before so I didn't know that that wasn't him was it British yeah I saw that same thing I was like is Jeffrey British? <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, oh, I guess he's a British comic. And then like seven minutes into the act, he was just like, yeah, that's not how I talk. So I, When Rory <laughs> Scoville was on Conan, he did a southern or <laughs> yeah. full on southern yeah. accent, even though I mean, oh, he, he can't put that, that on, obviously, but he doesn't have to speak like that. <laughs> I, I love that, too. Dropping into a dirty south. Well, my dad is Texan, so my family is Texan. My biological mother is Tennessee. Wow. So like a lot of that family is like southern. I like you like you slip in into it. I, I a ton of voices. You have no <laughs> idea. You have no idea. <laughs> Do you like British or American humor? Ooh. So actually, are those two the big ones, right? U.S. and uh, U.K. for you? I'd say so. Versus Germany. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans are humorless. Uh, no, no, that's not true. I love the um, Robin Williams joke where he's like, "You ever think?" You're not funny because you killed all the funny people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, that's so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> Awful. Um, yeah, those are the major ones for me, I'd say. And, like, I'm working on a sketch show right now for the royal wedding. And we're doing <laughs> British-inspired sketch writing where it's, like, you know, like, uh, Fry and Laurie, Mitchell and Webb. And the way they do it, it's so interesting, like, what they can get away with. Like, I feel like British comics and sketch can get away with being more like meta and being more like, hey, we're just actually showing you how people are and why it's absurd. Whereas like, I don't know, like if I saw an American sketch show get too meta, I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> like, stop trying to be too meta, like being clever. But I think because British people people immediately assume a sophistication or uh, something about it that they can kind of get away with it more because they're actually parroting being that way. And does that make sense? It, do, it does make sense because it's almost like it's so foreign. Yeah. So that like you kind of believe it, but then not really. It's like that expectations thing, right? Where you know you're British and you have to be a certain way. Yeah. So once you turn it on its head a little bit, it becomes like a whole new thing, I feel like. And also, like, classism is so rampant mm. in the UK. And it is such a small country. Like, there are, there are states bigger than the UK. And there is so much, like, just 
diversity in terms of accents, like class, like types of people that you would associate with different regions, even in such a small concentrated place that like just by shining a light on like, hey, this is how some people operate and then just finding what is funny about that and then just like hitting it like just being super on the nose about mannerisms or ways of speaking or blowing out the absurd mm. is, I don't know, it's really a refreshing style, I think. But it is very elitist too. Like it's all Oxbridge graduates or the ones is that, that the get. Harvard Lampoon of. Pretty much. Yeah, actually, that would be the similar, that would be the analogous US thing. Yeah. Did you ever perform out there? I did a little bit of improv, <coughs> but not much at all. I like, so I started out, because I was at this American school, there would sometimes be like castings that came looking for American kids. Mm -hmm. um, so I, when I was eight, I auditioned for this like BBC Radio 4 play. And I ended up getting it. It was on the banks of Plum Creek, which is uh, a Laura Ingalls Wilder. Oh, cool. Um, Little House on the Prairie thing. So I got that and that kind of started my like How performance career. Eight. Wow. And yeah. your parents were cool with that? Yeah. I mean, it was just a radio thing. So like I just auditioned and I remember feeling so uninhibited, like just as a little kid, you're auditioning and you're like, yeah, like this part is mine. <laughs> <laughs> like I have, and like, how do you, if I could like bottle that essence and put it in a vial, like I would be rich. It almost hit you bad because then you peaked. I peaked. <laughs> you, <laughs> you got the first role you auditioned for, right? I know. You better believe that's still on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> I like do not specify that that was mm, almost 20 years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. And then I did a lot of musical theater. And then I think like coinciding with puberty was this this big inhibition of like, I am not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not like. Mm. So like it kind of petered out a little bit. And then I did drama in high school and I really liked that and did comedic roles and I was like oh my god I love making people laugh and then went to college did a science degree because that was like the Which right science? thing to do human sciences what's human sciences so it was a degree <laughs> that uh, UCL um, had that um, you could kind of customize a degree within any um, department courses that had science in the name uh, that wasn't like geology. So it'd have to be like a biological or anthropological, psychology, pharmacology. Oh, so it's like a mixed bag. Yeah. Okay. And people could customize it as much as they want. So like people on our degree maybe did a ton of social sciences or did, you know, basically pre-med. Um, and I kind of marriaged the two um, and ended up specializing in pharmaceutical and recreational drug policy. Hmm. Hey. Uh, <laughs> policy is where the money's at. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I was like, I'm good at this, but I don't love this. I'm not going to pursue doing this. Drugs. <laughs> I love doing drugs. That was my dissertation. No, it really wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't, but it was like, maybe we should legalize Molly. <laughs> um, but I still got a first class degree, so feel good about that. But, did you I, decide that for yourself or you put or your parents were saying, hey, 
I it was kind of a marriage of the two, I think, where I felt like, oh, God, you need to do the smart thing and do a degree that would actually be like a good backup um, and you're getting good grades and it would be a waste of a brain to not do this. Yeah, a waste of a brain. But meanwhile, in my heart, I was like, I want to be acting, performing as much as possible. And like, I remember coming home from the first term at Christmas or even October, like maybe like half, like whatever the break was and like crying and being like, I should have applied to RADA, which is like Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, and it's right next to UCL. And being oh, like, yeah, gosh. like I want to be at RADA. I want to be at RADA. So you're looking outside the window, yeah. and you just see someone like, I know, <laughs> yeah, with a skull, and like, please. And I'm there with my skull, like, anatomy. But I ended up like diving into the arts extracurriculars at. UCL and did a lot of dance like dabbled in musical theater and drama ended up being the arts officer which is pretty cool for the student union you had a a, like a a paint (laughs) a holster yeah like a palette (laughs) no it was more like performing arts was the arts officer but um yeah which was cool and I definitely spent more like man hours doing that stuff and then we just happened to be moving to New York. My parents were moving to New York and I tagged along. I was wondering about that. I was like, where's the jump? Yeah. It it just so happened that my dad's work was moving him out here. And I was like, I need to pursue comedy. And that must've been like kind of like an omen for you too. A good one. Yeah. Like a good omen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I like, I remember being embarrassed that that was what I wanted to do for whatever reason, because I felt like it was like, yeah, but you just did this like science degree and you, you're clearly capable. And I'm like torn up about that stuff now. Like I'm at my job mm. and I'm like, you know, I'm good at my job. I'm good at what I set my mind to. Is this my career path? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's really hard to like, like when you don't love, when you really don't love something, your, your head just goes like, ugh. I can't do this. I know. It depends. I think if you have something else you need to live for, then you'll suck it up and do stuff. Like, if you had a kid right now, you'll <laughs> figure you it out. I know. I knew you were going to go well, there. Well, here you go. <laughs> and that, that's a fork in the road. But I feel like us millennials. I know. I, know. And then I feel like there's like this weird shame. Like, ugh, millennials trying to pursue a life of happiness and <laughs> fulfillment. Like, you delusional... But, like, I can't think of anything worse than, like, a job in finance. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, me too. Like, it's so practical. It's miserable. Yeah. Cutthroat, long hours. Sure, you get They're not happy. No, they're They're not. They're coked up out of their minds (laughs) so they can have a Hamptons house. They all want to leave. All of them. All my friends that are in finance. And then they do, and then they become bloggers. And it's like, well, maybe we were just bloggers out of the gate. (laughs) Maybe we're enlightened. (laughs) Like, you know? Where the comedy performer stuff come in for you? I think like doing the drama class that I did in high school, like just, secured it. You for just me. took one on a whim. Um, so the UK is kind of interesting the way they structure high school. You specialize really heavily, and that's why college is only three years. So for eleventh and twelfth grade, you only do f- three or four subjects. So I did mm, German, English, Lit, 
biology and drama. And we did this play called Cloud Nine. Uh-huh. And it's like kind of messed up for like a high school <laughs> to do. Like I had to wear that. I was like this matron um, who was in love with another woman. And there's a scene where this guy like goes under my dress and eats me out. Whoa. (laughs) And that wasn't cut. I was 17. Did you know what was happening? Yeah. But I was like, okay, but it was funny. And I was like, this is hilarious. (laughs) It was supposed to be funny. Oh yeah. It's a comedy. And it's like, um, it's kind of like a, um, satire piece where like, there's a lot of gender bending and like, older people wow. playing children and like subverting social nor it's like it's meant to be like this commentary piece but um yeah and i was like this is it like this i this is so funny to me to like shock people and to like i just it was a blast did you have to jokingly react yeah what's your honest reaction to that i mean just like shocked laughter <laughs> got an a <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's fun. I wonder if your dad stands. That's my daughter getting eaten out. <laughs> oh my, my god! Yeah, <laughs> that's my baby girl. <laughs> that's my baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when you're in New York, mm-hmm. wait, wait. So, did, so you did acting and improv before you did stand up. So I did more acting. I dipped my toe into improv in the UK. Um, and then when I came here, I jumped into stand up, and then very shortly after, like started taking classes at UCB. And, and I was so naive too. I was like, "You do the you do the classes at UCB, and then bada boom." Because you're academic, you thought, yes. you know, school. And well, that's yes. how they sell it to you too. Oh yeah. yeah, that it's that it's not like there's like twelve thousand students coming through every year <laughs> that believe the same thing. And there's like 48 spots. Because when, when I took a UCB class, I was like, I knew, I was like, I'm just doing this because I want to do more funny stuff and this would be a good learning tool. But everyone in that class was like, man, I cannot wait till I'm on the office. This is going to be great. Yeah. And I was like, what is, what is wrong with these people? Even just being on a team is a pipe dream. Yeah. Like, you huh? got to do a lot of work to like be visible be like around be known and you got to be funny and do it their way like that's that's a lot like i definitely learned a lot from ucb but like i don't know i learned a lot more at reckless and like just figuring out what i think is funny and committed and interesting and then trying to bring the rules in that ucb teaches when i'm in their setting but I'm also not like bent out of shape if I'm like, oh, I forgot to justify or whatever. <laughs> it's like, whatever. I don't know. I feel kind of zen about it. Did I've like recently become I zen. Mean, UCB <laughs> kids are like when college kids come out of school and they go, I'm going to save the world. If I just do this one, two, three thing, all our problems will be solved. A little bit. And dude, like advanced, mm-hmm. like air quotes, advanced classes some people like zoom through the curriculum they're doing it for a year then they get into advanced and they're told that they are advanced at improv nobody's advanced at anything in a year oh nobody nobody (laughs) nothing there's no thing that you are an expert at after one year of doing it but it's good business to approve a lot of students 
but it's so saturated and then you get into a class and people are like fearful and nervous oh. and it's like this is not a stretch and challenge environment it's like i i mean i have enjoyed my classes but i also am like i take it with a grain of salt where i'm like this feels like maybe a little basic or like just hit us with like just throw us into it and like we'll figure it out but i think they just want to make sure people feel very like safe and like we're learning here <laughs> yeah i've taken improv classes and not by the school but i've taken like a year off every time just because it's like oh there's three four hundred dollars out the gate right. i'm just like maybe i don't want to spend twelve hundred dollars in a year yeah and then the year helps a lot yeah because you live a life and then yeah. you have something to draw on that's the thing too is if you're only doing improv yeah. you're suddenly like your well runs dry and then the scene is just like, okay, we're going to do a scene about improv. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I haven't seen much of that. But I know everybody's like buttholes tighten up when people mention improv in an improv scene. They're like, no. It's got to be hella good. <laughs> it better be real good. <laughs> you better bring it, my dude. <laughs> <Better>. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know. It's funny. You like dip in and out of stuff. Like I stopped doing stand-up for like two years. And I remember when I was like all in. If you didn't go to an open mic, it was like, you're slacking. Like, you didn't go to one for a night. It's yeah. like, who do you think you are? You think you're going to make it? <laughs> I took two years off, and then I got back on stage, and I was like, it's like I never left. <laughs> like, it's the same, and I'm fine, and this is fun. Had you not constantly performed, then I'd say probably, what are you doing? But you were performing the whole time. so Right. I was still on stage. Yeah. And like that also helped, like even when I was starting out, I'm like, oh, I have this background in performance. Whereas like a lot of people who just jump into stand up, but maybe don't have a performance background. Right. A lot of the like learning in it is not just about being funny. It's getting used to being on stage. <coughs> and performing to people. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, it definitely helps. I'm a bit of an all rounder. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Where are you at yeah. right now? Are you more like, are you going back into stand up? Are you going? Yeah, I. So this last show that I did was such a blast, and like, it's so classic me to like turn it into like. Classic. Lenin. It's classic. classic Lenin. Lenin. No, what, you're, you're not knowing what I'm about to say. Uh, that I like was like, why the fuck did you take two years off? Mm. Like it was so wonderful that I was like, oh, I, if I had been doing it consistently for the past two years, I'd be so much further along. But like, you know, I want to get back into that. I want to marriage that with the character stuff. I perform characters. I still perform improv. Um, I do an improvised sitcom show called Come Over. It's very fun. Um, I love the people in I that saw, cast. I saw the the your little sh the shopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to a key food middle of the day in costume, and just <laughs> were like wreaking havoc. It was very fun, and we have so much footage. Um, yeah, the creator of that show, Anne Hogan, is wonderful, and she just invented this like sitcom world, loosely based on her own life and upbringing in Queens, and created these characters that we play consistently but the scenarios are always improvised um yeah and the last show we did we had people like sitting on the floor and in the aisles it was awesome Ooh. yeah it's really cool now in the improv world mm -hmm. i 
feel like there are definitely more women getting into it. I feel like every class picture I see now, there's like two guys only within every class picture. Yeah, there was there was only like one one or there was two other guys in my improv class. Yeah, you're a prime example. Um, you think you you think improv's more savvy? No, nah, I mean not even that. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. What are you trying to say, oh. Mr. June Chung? Oh. I mean, are you I'm trying to say improv is for women and stand-ups <laughs> for men? Oh, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, this last show that I did for stand-up was an all-women's and people of color show, which was awesome. Um, I definitely think there are a lot of like diversity initiatives yeah. in improv schools, um, like diversity scholarships, which is really cool and important. Um, as for, wait, what was that? There like, was no question. I oh, was yeah, no, th- it's definitely changing. Like, it used to be the case where it's like everyone on a house team was like Caucasian. Yeah. Um, And they're like working on changing that, which is awesome. Because um, it's so fun watching a show. Obviously, it's not about race, but because they grew up a certain way, they just bring in so many new yeah ideas yeah. and yeah. then you go oh i've never thought about it but now i have to play it because you're in the scene together and even though you're manny and i'm june it's like oh you're bringing this thing about empanadas i don't know <laughs> i'm just thinking I'm about always, i'm always my empanadas <laughs> i got four of them in my bag right it's now it's your only specific <laughs> the one sketch we did live was about empanadas yeah, too. He, wrote ske- he wrote a sketch for us and had, had me cooking empanadas nice <laughs> gotta, gotta use what no you know. yeah there's it representation super important and yeah. like Fresh perspectives and yeah, fresh perspectives. Fresh perspectives. Fresh perspectives. Yeah, there's definitely like oh wow, a lot of types and representation, and it's like good because this is New York and it's a melting pot and right, it makes sense. Me and my girlfriend loved everyday people. Oh, we really did. Thank you. We used to watch them together in bed. Oh, I don't know how you feel about that? But <laughs> I have mixed feelings. <laughs> I'm Can delighted. Can you tell people what this is? Okay, everyday people. So this is a thing that was born out of me punishing myself <laughs> for not having been more prolific. So I was like, I can't believe I haven't like produced anything. Like everyone's making videos. I'm not making videos. What the fuck? So I decided that the only way for it to happen was to give myself a challenge and to announce that I was going to release a original character every day for a long month. It was June, right? (laughs) It was July. So 31 days, 31 characters, and I had to do it. And the only way that I was going to be able to do it because of whatever like insecurities or hangups that I had is if I did it entirely by myself. So I shot it did my own hair, makeup, costume. Oh, I didn't know all that. Edited everything completely by myself. Wow. That's... Yeah. I thought you at least had a camera guy. No. Tripod. <laughs> Alone in my apartment. Like, kicked my boyfriend <laughs> out. I was like, dude, I got to record some characters. And, like, I was like, this is a huge undertaking. And then my friend, Ann Hogan, from Kamova, I was like, I am going to do this. And she's like, just do one just do one. I, she's like, I love it. And I love that you're like, want to like barf creativity everywhere. But she's like, just do one and see what it asks of you. And then if it's doable, like then you'll figure out your like 
plan for what you need to do. So this was like beginning of June. And she was like, you don't have to send it to me. I just want to know that you did it or you can send it to me and whatever. And I was like, okay. So she's like my accountability partner. I shot one full hair and makeup and edited it within two hours. Damn. And I was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. Like this is going to take a lot and it's going to take a ton of creativity, but I want to do it and I have to not judge it. And I also had to tell myself I cannot use any if language, like if I do it or I'm going to try to mm. do it. The only language I was allowed to use with myself was when and like I am going to do this. And like I would have to like correct myself because there was like this like you're going to stop yourself or you're going to judge it or you're going to like fail. I'm so bad at making promises with myself. (laughs) It was hard. Kudos to you. I had to like, I did a few, like I created a few in advance of July so that I had like a pool. You just saying just now that in June Mm -hmm. you were, you were deciding you could do it. I thought it was months out. Really? Yeah. I was like, I was like, she probably started thinking like around the spring, like around April, like I'll do this thing. You saying you could do it in June. Yeah. And then doing all that. Yeah. I was like, what? I like, I thought of the idea probably like a year or a year and a half prior where I was like, oh, maybe it'd be cool to do a series called Everyday People. And they're just little like character vignettes. With Instagram as the medium? With Instagram as the medium. And I just like the idea of like slice of life people and not judging it if it didn't have like a game because like, I don't know, sketch class like made me feel like I was an awful writer that I just like <laughs> couldn't write. I like that I didn't get it. And I was like, I'm not going to judge it. So I would get in front of the camera and I would have a vague idea of who the character was, how they spoke, um, it might have been born out of like a wig or a costume piece and then I would just go from there and I would improvise a monologue. And then I'd be like, okay, that's funny. Let me try to replicate that again. Maybe add a joke, maybe cut something, maybe try to speak a little faster because I need to get it all in in a minute. Um, And then I would, I have a camera that connects to my phone so I can use Mm. my phone as a remote. Um, So I would take portraits with my phone out of the shot because it was all like framed face. Um, And then I would, (laughs) it probably annoyed so many people just how much content I was rolling out, but I would do a teaser portrait, a video, and then a second portrait so that it would line up in bars of three pieces per character. That way if you were searching for it to look back on it, it would be like stripes. Yeah. And like it's since gets jumbled because I'm not releasing three pieces of content every day to make sure that it stays like that but it was a very deliberate choice and then the backdrops are just poster board from Blick oh that that's I, so bright yeah I think you green screened it <laughs> yeah or gift wrap we're just about at the end but wonder if we could do our segment okay called Lady Truths Lady Truths Lady Truths okay by Truths or Truths uh, with a TH. Truths. Okay. Good point. Now we might need to rename it. Because <laughs> we just started this. Okay. And what better way to start again? Than with Glennis LaRoe. Is that what I said right? Yeah. Okay. You nailed it. Wondering if there's something about ladydom <laughs> that us as two guys just don't know that Ooh. you might want to just like throw down. 
Or maybe like guys like as of now, like something you want to tell guys now. Like, yo, listen, stop wearing jean shorts. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm okay with jean shorts. Are you really? I'm fine with like... Carpenter f- jean shorts? Carpenter jean shorts? Yeah. Oh, what with are those? all the pockets on the side? <laughs> yeah. Car- the cargo, loop, cargo the shorts. The no, the things that I don't like are like plaid Oh. Shorts with a lot of pockets. Circa two thousand. It doesn't have to be fashion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because I was ready to go down that rabbit hole. Um, no, let's see, Lady Dumb. I don't know. Like, I think today the thing that kind of came up for me is like the body anxiety around summer weather. Oh yeah, we're. I don't know. We just got our first day of uh, great heat. New York weather. Heat and heat. Yes. Yeah. But what about what about it? I don't know, just that it's like, oh, wow, like how much that's always on my mind is like how I look, like how I'm perceived. But I know it is like a pressure on guys, too, but I just wonder how it manifests differently. Oh, for guys, like how we feel like. Yeah, like about like just like body stuff, like is there like a low key like body dysmorphia that all guys experience because i'm like there for sure is one that all most women experience and you have to like talk yourself out of it dysmorphia meaning your body is one way but you think you're way bigger or skinnier yeah or or like you just zero in on flaws got it or like there's a constant comparison or like a constant speculation about other people's bodies Maybe that's just me. I feel like guys, since we don't have to cover up necessarily. Well, if I'm wearing anything with a black shirt, yeah, I'm always thinking, I was like, oh, my gut looks huge right now. Or like, oh, man, I got some pounds. But you, but you man, you could wear a striped shirt, a white shirt, yeah. and you, you look skinny and everything. But we're thinking that women, no matter what their size, all have some some form of that thought. I don't. I can't speak for every woman, but I know Please that do. it's pretty <laughs> pervasive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, like even talking in, to your friends, right? Yeah, and I think it is changing, like the body positive movement, mm-hmm. um, and like real bodies being celebrated and being like, we're not going to airbrush and like delude people into thinking that this image is real and and a standard. Women are a lot more lax with uh, underarm shaving. Oh yeah. I used to. I growing up, a lot of girls were like, "I gotta shave every day, like yeah. armpits." But now I feel like a lot of ladies are like, you know what? I shaved three days ago. I don't want to shave today, and I don't care. Now I I've definitely heard, shave my underarms every day. I've heard the body shaming comes less from men and more from other women. I would say first and foremost would be like marketing, like company, because it's like I don't understand where it was decided that like average or like real is not marketable Mm -hmm. but it's like that's what people relate to i was thinking about this like melissa mccarthy she has a plus size fashion line and she's like i created it because there wasn't cute stuff for people who look like me and like 60 percent of the american population is a size 14 or larger it's like, that's just good business. <laughs> so like, where did we go wrong? Where it was like, if you're not a zero or a two, you are disgusting and 
shouldn't see the light of day. I don't know. Yeah, I always wondered, uh, like when I used to see runway models, I used yeah. like, a lot of runway model shows like would always be like on on the news because like look what was just premiered. I like do people really wear those clothes and do women really look like that? Because I don't get it. It almost seems like they're like some sort of weird skinny soldiers or something. Like, the test for me is when I see those supermodels, I just want to see them in regular clothes just to be like, what would they look like in real life? And would I even be attracted to that? Because you would see those people and be like, wow, they're really skinny. Or, I mean, you don't want to judge again, but. Right. And and the, the thing is, it's like it's norm, maybe they norm. just have like a freak metabolism. Right. They eat totally normally and they just happen to look like this. And it's like a good fit for their career at the time of their life and then they're gonna go into whatever down the line like i try not to judge it but i know how much it affected my self-image growing up yeah and being like is that is that the only thing that is celebrated or like the victoria's Mm. secret fashion show my god (laughs) i would i would be obsessed with watching it and just being like huh like one day i will look like them but it's like you can't like you just they're goddesses yeah and like you didn't win that genetic lottery (laughs) i'm sorry so just like loving yourself i'm working on loving myself it's important it is important it's It's the number one thing because like you just can't hate on yourself all the time and expect to shine and be successful no, because then you just get bitter. You get bitter. You get bitter, and then, and you get like a hunch. Yeah, you get a you hunch. Do you think it takes? I mean, obviously, you should love yourself, but do you think it takes someone else to chip away at that, saying mm. you are good enough, as and then you could self-realize, or do you think it will come from yourself? I think it has to come from. Yeah, yourself. it has. It has to come from yourself because you can't. Because then you're relying on an external validation. I will say, like, maybe, like, self-help books have helped me with that sort of thing. But I wouldn't, like, pin it on, like, a relationship or, like, a need for someone else to say. Because, like, in a way, like, my mom was always, like, you're going to be successful no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. And, like, in theory, that's a positive statement. But, like, when you're anxious and you don't love yourself and you're insecure that turns into you better not fuck up even though the intention of that message is not that oh i see i see in your head you're like if i come up short i've messed up and i will let people down and you have Mm. to be like no i love what i do and i'm going to see an abundance of opportunities and what i seek is seeking me and it all exists you just need to take the action and go forth confidently and show up yeah. fully and do stuff that makes you happy. Yes. That's the thing that messes me up with working with kids. You have to be careful with what you say, which yeah. is exactly what you're saying. They might hold on to something. You think it's so, it makes so much sense as an adult saying you will be successful in all you do. And then the kid is now going, ah, what if I'm not successful? Yeah. And, and yeah, you have yeah. to explain no, 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 no. I just mean you're going to be great, and if you're not, that's okay too. But And failure is a learning, <laughs> and like, yeah, it's been like, it's been a long journey. I don't know if this helps you understand the universe <laughs> no, <it laughs> from does. a lady's perspective. No, it it's also really important to say that, and for people to hear that from other people constantly, I feel. I think when people, especially with like, because now we have the option to cultivate our lives the way we want to on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. 
and people are looking at like other celebrities and they're seeing them at their best. It's a highlight reel. Social yeah. media is your highlight reel. It's 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 crazy because like like there's people I talk to they like go like oh but this girl's doing this and that and I should be doing it. I'm just like yeah but you don't see that girl breaking down yeah. crying because maybe yeah. she failed or yeah. a guy like someone. You know what yeah. messes me up too is like you're seeing everybody else. So let's say like six totally disparate people produce a video like a comedy video to for mm-hmm. us. And then you're like, oh my God, everybody's making a video. <laughs> and I'm not making a video. But it's like those people are totally unrelated and maybe haven't done anything for a really long time. And they're like, finally, I need to put something out there. But because you're looking at it in this concentrated way, it's such an easy way to be like, oh my God, I'm not doing what I need and to be doing. And also looking for it. I feel like yeah. when you see those things, it automatically brings up your insecurities. Yeah, it's designed. Yeah. And the people who design these platforms, they're like, we designed this to be addictive and make you feel like you need to be doing more and you need to be posting more and you need to be showing up, like, showing, like, there are such extreme narcissists that are I just like, I posted born. 10 times this whole, in this podcast. <laughs> June. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. But there's, and there's, people gotta know. I do agree with that. But I am also grateful to social media because it's a great way to meet strangers, and like, like we talked about this on Instagram. Uh, you doing a podcast? Yeah. No, it's a great connection I tool. I mean, when it's great. It's great. But what it's transformed into. And I think I, I think on a subconscious level, it does affect people. And I especially think oh, yeah. of like young kid. Like I babysit, or I used to babysit this girl who had Instagram when she was like eight or nine. Yeah. And then I'm seeing how she posts like it can kind of it, it it's like reminiscent of like a celebrity selfie. And I'm like, you're so little and you're posting this. And it's like it's almost it, it almost errs on like, oh, like that's something an adult would post. Like you're so young. Go out and play. Like, don't worry about mm-hmm. your friends liking this. Like, I don't know. It's just interesting how it's going to affect because we were like teenagers when facebook yeah. came out so yeah. it was just like oh this is like a new platform tool but we use myspace like to like oh. message people yeah myspace i was cyber bullied on myspace and that like that Messed like fucked me up yeah whoa yeah because i like so someone you knew yeah people i knew so between changing from the american school to the british school i, I had moved to the british school and then I guess like comments on people's walls were all public and someone had posted a picture and then they said, you look like Glennis in that photo, but not as fat. And it was public. And then she wrote back and I, we were like civil to each other or I thought we were like nice enough. And she was like, which one you asshole tell me so I can take it down. Like she's like mortified by the comparison. And I remember like looking at it and like, you know that like Homer Simpson Epi- like episode of the Simpsons where he's like just walking backwards from like <laughs> what he's lot. seen <laughs> like that was like me I like got up from like I was in shock and and like it was brutal and I like walked downstairs to the living room and I just like sat on the couch I like stared then I like cried and then I like went back upstairs and put on like running clothes oh, no! and then went for a run oh. it felt awful oh, wow yeah 
And then that, I think that's where the dysmorphia comes from. <laughs> so thank you, uh, Michael Connell. And uh, I can't even remember your name. You matter so little. <laughs> I really can't remember her name. But Michael Connell. That's about it. I think we got to wrap up there. You don't want to talk about social media for another two hours? <sighs> Maybe off, off air. <laughs> Glennis. Where can people find your work? Oh my God, you can find me at glennis.the.menace. Glennis is G-L-E-N-N-I-S. Menace is M-E-N-A-C-E. Regular spelling. The appropriate spelling. <laughs> it's like Dennis the Menace. Um, that's my Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram. You are. There's also Angelique, the, the, the pop, pop star, star, is an Instagram for one of my characters. I need to get some more a content. French pop star. Yes, uh, she's French, uh, which I did on Super Secret Show, which was a blast. It was really fun. Um, and yeah, glennislaroe.com. I have a page of everyday people, so you don't have to scroll through my Instagram unless you feel like it. It's a, the hashtag. Hashtag uh, everyday people. Yeah, yeah. So you can find it all on the you hashtag. You can find it, people. yeah. And you could follow hashtags now on Instagram. So oh. if she ever decided that she wanted to make more. Hashtag Everyday People Season 2. Season I'd probably do it differently. Season 2. But I would... That's what growth is. That's growth, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we got Super Secret Show May 11th. Oh, that's coming out by then? Yeah. It's weekly, right? Hey, this weekly? show? Super Secret Show? Yeah. No, it's bi-weekly. Twice a month. Oh, bi-weekly. You know, it's my favorite show to uh, get on a boat for. Don't just say that because you're on our podcast. <laughs> no. Honestly, like... I'll when you get on a boat for. When you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was that. <laughs> There's a conditional. Yeah, no, the last when you guys there. had it at that gallery, like I was having one of those days, feeling very like down on myself. I was like, I don't want to get on a boat to go do a show. I'm like on the Staten Island ferry, and I'm like, oh, come on. And then I get there, and it's like, you guys are so nice. Your crowd is so nice. And you had a great it set. It was a fun set. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I love this. <laughs> and I was like on the boat back, like I'm in New York City, baby. <laughs> if we could do that for every comic, that'd be the dream. That's you do it to reinvigorate their career. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things about the show, though, is because I love it when there's low expectations of something, like sure. like down to the floor. Because you're on a boat, it takes a while to get there, especially if you live in Brooklyn or Queens. I mean, over the river right and through the woods. Yeah. yeah. To Staten Island, make your space we go. <laughs> but it's a great show. And you get there, it's like, you know what? Not so bad. Yeah, you guys have created a great vibe. Thank you. We appreciate that. I'm at the Juniverse. I'm at Manny Rondo. The song you're listening to is by Sabrina Fracciola. Thank you, Sabrina. Glennis LaRoe. Thank you. Thank you, Glennis LaRoe. It's been a blessing. We're, we're Send have all have the beans, bushes. Yes, please. Bye, everyone. Bye.